Before the reading of our text today, we need some background to help us understand the context and setting of this. Imagine, if you would, that our nation's president suddenly decreed that all Christian churches should suddenly be turned into houses of prostitution, and all of the imagery of the Christian faith should be removed out of those buildings, and altars would be erected to pagan gods. That's what happened back about 700 years or so before the time of Christ in the southern kingdom of Judah, around Jerusalem. Ahaz, a wicked king, had decided to cave in to the pressures of many of the, uh, many of the cultures that surrounded the uh, kingdom of Judah at the time. And he sort of sold out the religion of his country, of his nation. And he gave orders to have things changed that would suddenly bring in pagan worship into uh, many of the worship places in his country. He, he even stripped the gold out of the temple and, and gave it away as a gift to his enemies in order to appease them. And many of these pagan places of worship that were installed and many of the things involved a lot of sexual deviancy, sexual immorality. Back then, a lot of these other nations felt that in order to get your gods up there to do something for you, you had to excite them. And there was nothing more exciting than than prostitution, whether male or female. Into that context, the son of Ahaz, Hezekiah, now assumes the throne at about age 25. And as he comes to power, he has a whole different heart. The Holy Spirit has implanted in him a, a heart of faith. And he now goes about a cleansing. And we're told that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And the text that I'm going to read for you today is part of his command to the priest to go in and cleanse the temple. And this is taken from 2 Chronicles 29. They gathered their brothers and consecrated themselves and went in as the king had commanded by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook Kidron. They began to consecrate on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Then for eight days they consecrated the house of the Lord, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. Then they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the table for the showbread and all its utensils, all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded in his reign when he was faithless, we have made ready and consecrated, and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. So far our reading. Many people have seen parallels between this great reforming action at that time and that of the Great Reformation under Martin Luther started in 1517 when he nailed his 95 theses to the church door at the uh, Castle Church in Wittenberg. And today we commemorate that, that event on our campus. Many things had grown perverse at the time of Hezekiah and likewise, many things at the time of the Reformation in the 1500s AD had likewise grown rather perverse in Luther's day. Around 1400, uh, the, the, the ruler in Germany wrote a letter to the Pope basically asking him that he would command the priests in German towns to no longer 
go out to collect money from the town prostitutes. The corruption in the church got so bad that there were people teaching their children never to go to Rome, which was the, the center of, of the church itself and its hierarchy. An Italian author wrote this, there cannot be a greater proof of the church's decadence than the fact that the nearer people are to Rome, the head of their religion, the less religious they are. Her ruin or chastisement is near at hand. And there were many things that had been perverted at the time of Luther, not only, not only the, the teachings in the church, but it also, it also had created kind of an environment of a misunderstanding of, of sexuality, just as we see also in Hezekiah's day as well. The corruption of sexuality often goes hand in hand with apostasy, falling away from the things of God. And when Satan brings a cancerous doctrine into the church and tries to introduce that into the church, quite often it goes hand in hand with, with misunderstandings of this wonderful blessing of our sexuality that God gives us, but it often causes a perversion in understanding that as well. We see this happen in many of the cults uh, that, that pop up as well. Today, the contamination in our hearts is no different. The temptation to contamination in our hearts is really no different. The culture around us presses us as well and seeks to try to gain entrance into the church's doctrine and to change and pervert the doctrine of the church and uh, to get it away from the teachings of Christ. And you can see that in the, just in the pressures of pornography that, that are just rampant in our culture today, even among Christians even among clergy. People that study this claim that it's just as high among clergy as it is among people of other professions. The, the vicious, cancerous evil of this and the pressures of our culture just try to press inside of God's church. The devil tries any way he can to get inside of things. And in a sense, it has become a new form of idol worship for us. The church is often, and in a sense, always in need of reformation. In Hezekiah's day, in Luther's day, and maybe today think of it in terms of your own personal heart. We're told Hezekiah held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. And so he goes about this reforming effort to tear down all of these high places worshiping false gods and to cleanse the temple as we just read. It's as if God puts up with this for only so long inside of his church, and then he raises up reforming agents to go about this cleansing. And he clears away everything that perverts the gospel and gets in its way. We're told that Hezekiah had the priests, they, they took all these garbage things in the temple and brought it down to the brook Kidron. Interestingly enough, the very brook, brook that our Lord will cross over on his passion walk in order to ultimately go to the cross for our sins. Martin Luther in his day clears away anything out of the church and out of its liturgy and things that would impede the gospel in some way. And for us today, may that same thing happen through the act of repentance in our hearts, that God, through his Holy Spirit and his word, would go down and cleanse us of all that gets in the way of our relationship to his word and to Christ. And God, in these reforming acts, always restores his word as the sole source of truth and divine truth. 
Hezekiah no longer permits the immoral culture to shape what's going to be taught and confessed in his land. He restores the word of God to its proper place. We're told that the priests were commanded to sing the words of David, the Old Testament Psalms of worship. Luther, in his day, restores scripture alone. That would now be the determining standard for truth in the church of God. Anything outside of that was to be scuttled away. And for you and me today, may this reformation in our hearts also take us back to that same word of our Lord, the word of our Savior, who says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. But the most important component in all of these reformations that we see throughout time is that God always through this activity restores his Christ, restores the gospel back to its central position in the church and in the hearts of his people. Hezekiah restored temple worship and the sacrificial system, which was all pointing ahead to the great sacrifice of our Lord on the cross for us. Luther, even though others before him tried to reform the church by cleaning up its morality, Luther, by God's grace, saw that the real issue was knowing how to get to heaven, that it's only through the work of our Savior and what he's done for us by his death on the cross and living his holy life in our place. And so for you and me today as well, may there be a, a miniature reformation in us every day that places our Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior back into his central place in our hearts, the one who has come to give you the full and complete forgiveness of all of your sins, despite what wickedness has been inside the temple of your body, that God through Christ has restored us and forgiven us all of our sins. And he provides for you today the, the very perfect holiness and righteousness you need to stand before God and be allowed into heaven. And through that work, he gives you the, the everlasting hope of life among the angels in heaven. May this reformation continue to take place in our hearts day after day, and may this be a blessed reformation for all of us. Please take your hymn book and turn to page 166. In the front portion, 166, page 166, and you will find there prayer number 142. Let us rise and join together in hearts and voices in unison. O Lord God, Heavenly Father, pour out, we beseech you, your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort them in all temptation. Defend them against all enemies of your word. And bestow upon Christ's church militant your saving peace. Through the same, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.